Hello everyone, welcome to A Millennial Learns. My name is Abby Rancor. Thank you so much for joining me today. As always, I appreciate you listening. Very sorry, this is a very late Bible episode. I was going to record this in Michigan. If you've been listening for a while, you know I was in Michigan this last week. I literally sat down to record it, had started recording it, and then there was this whole problem where the toilet like backed up in the house that we were staying at. So then we were all calling plumbers and I had to delete what I had of the recording. And we were just, it was just chaos. We had to figure out like, you know, um, my in-laws had to go stay at a hotel and we ended up staying at the house, but we couldn't use any of the toilets. So we were like, you know, they're in very rural Michigan. So we just went to the bathroom outside, which was a great time. (laughs) Um, I treated it like camping. So, you know, made the best out of a not that great situation. But, you know, I'm home now. I'm pretty happy to be home. I took like a very hot shower that we could use water again. (laughs) And I'm feeling good. So we had a great trip. It was so much fun. I was going to do like a Michigan-based podcast episode, but I've done a few of those. I did the entire history of the state of Michigan. And so I'm not going to do a Michigan themed episode. I'm just going to give a little recap of our trip. We tried to go for the fall leaves. They weren't quite peaked when we went, but they were pretty close. So it was, it was good. We went apple picking. I've never been apple picking before. That was really fun. We drank apple cider. We did a lot of the fall things but we did not quite hit the peak. So it's peaking pretty late this year. Um, And we stayed there for two weekends and worked throughout the week. So it was just a good time. We're going to go back over Christmas, but very sorry about the podcast schedule delays because it's just hard to record there. You know, usually I get up really early and go to like this other room in our house to go record that's not really an option there so i'd have to go outside but it's dark and cold so i don't know i'll have to pre-record for christmas and not make that mistake again but i want to just i need to get the bible one out this week because i do not want to be three weeks behind on our bible episodes because we are already a little bit behind and so i'm doing it this week so we this will probably be in very rapid succession where I do a Bible episode today, a regular episode tomorrow, and then a Bible episode on Thursday, like our normal Bible episode. So, okay, so let's get into Jeremiah. This week we're going from Jeremiah 1 to Jeremiah 31. And if you've been listening to my podcast for the last few weeks, Uh, Last time we went through Isaiah. So the last two weeks we've been going through Isaiah. It was very, very hard to read for me for some reason. Like it was very hard to understand what he was prophesying about for me. Like if it was recent future or way in the future or Jesus. So I really had to go into Bible commentary for all of that. I was expecting Jeremiah to be the same way, but it was way easier for me for Jeremiah. So um, let's start with Jeremiah 1. In Jeremiah 1, it explains that Jeremiah was a prophet and a priest in the territory of Benjamin. Now, Jeremiah 1.5 is a very famous Bible verse that I kind of forgot was in Jeremiah. There's a few very famous ones, very well well used, very um, frequently used Bible verses. This is one of them. Jeremiah 1.5 says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. 
Now, we are not all prophets to the nations, to my understanding, but it does have a universal truth that before I formed you in the womb, I knew you before you were born, I set you apart. So this kind of points to the plan that God has for each of us and how he does know us. This is used a lot in like pro-life circles as well. It's kind of the foundation of the justification of being pro-life for a lot of people because it does point to you being a human and God having a plan for your life before you are born. So that is probably why I see it so much because I'm very like, I follow a lot of pro-life people on Instagram. And so, yeah, that is very highly used. Okay. Then Jeremiah said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. That's interesting because Moses said the same thing. He didn't say he was too young, but he said he couldn't speak. Um, and he said, do not say you're too young to speak. God said that to Jeremiah. So then God gave uh, Jeremiah a vision of an almond tree and then that was like growing almonds and then a pot of boiling water that was head like from the north. It was coming from the north. And God said, from the north, disaster will be poured out. Northern kingdoms are going to come and fight Judah. And God is using the northern kingdoms as judgment on Judah and Jerusalem. Um, and he says to Jeremiah, God says to Jeremiah, I am with you and will rescue you. Specifically, Jeremiah in this instance. A lot of the Jeremiah verses, I feel like, can be taken out of context in regular life because he really promises like protection and help to Jeremiah. And a lot of it is specific. I mean, a lot of it can apply to all of us, like God forming us in the womb, but some of it is very specific to Jeremiah. So, um, because in this time, a lot of people are going to try to kill him. You'll see later, but God promises that he will rescue Jeremiah. Okay, Jeremiah 2, God tells Jeremiah to, to go proclaim the following. He said, um, I remember the devotion of your youth. Israel was the first fruits of the Lord. And then he tells the people, what faults did your ancestors find in me that they strayed so far from me? God is telling them he brought them to a fertile land, but they defiled it. Therefore, he is now bringing charges against you. You know, when we were in, this is funny how when you read something in the Bible and then like go hear a sermon or something, it all ends up tying together because when we were in Michigan this week, we went to their church and their, his sermon was on the wrath of God, which I very rarely hear about. Like a lot of churches never talk about the wrath of God. They only talk about the love of God. And as I've been reading the Old Testament, you know, the wrath of God is really evident and not so much wrath as in uncontrolled anger, but more as justice. So this illustrates it very well. He says, I, you know, he did, said, I did all these things for you. We made a covenant. You broke the covenant and now covenant. And now I have brought charges against you. It's not just that he's lashing out in anger randomly. It's specific charges against the covenant that was broken. And it's just justice being served to, for that. So that makes a lot more sense. And it's funny that the exact same week I was like really thinking about the wrath of God. That was the sermon in church in Michigan. Um, okay, it says you have brought troubles on yourselves by forsaking God. Then there's this long speech about, you know, continuing to say how they've forsaken God. And then, uh, but then he says, in trouble, you say, come save us, you know, to God. They, they come back anytime they need saving, basically. Uh, and he said, where are the gods you have made? Like, can't they come help you if you've made these gods and you're worshiping them. And this is my biggest downfall, I feel like, with spir my spiritual 
oh, I hate saying the word journey, but like my spiritual, I don't know, walk with the Lord. Um, seems like whenever something is going well, I will stray. Anytime something's going bad, I will return and be like, oh, Lord, come save me. And the Israelites said the same exact thing. And he said, where are the gods? Like, where are your gods that you have made? Because you have been worshiping them. Okay. Um, then it he says that they will be disappointed with Egypt as they were with Assyria. So right now they're allying with Egypt. They think their hope lies in Egypt as an ally. And he warns them to not be allies with Egypt. Jeremiah 3 says, if a man divorces his wife and she leaves him and marries another man, should he return to her again? You have lived as a prostitute. Would you return to me? So there's this long metaphor about Israel committing adultery, being like a prostitute. Um, and then God says, return faithless Israel. I am faithful. Acknowledge your guilt. Uh, he says, return again. Um, and that he will choose Israel if she returns and that he will cure them of backsliding. Jeremiah 4 says, if you return, then return to me. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Circumcise your hearts. So I think there's something about this later as well, but he talks about the circumcising your hearts. Like he said, he said to some of them, like, yes, you're circumcised physically, but you're not circumcised in your heart. So I've been really getting into like Jewish culture, as you might know if you've listened to the podcast for a while, and really thinking like, should we be doing all these kind of, not rituals, but like holidays, and should we be remembering these certain milestones and doing things more like the Jewish roots way? And part of me thinks yes, so I'm still looking at that, but also part of me thinks it does not matter at all and if you're not circumcised in your heart then it does not matter so any ritual is meaningless if you don't care or mean it or you know if your heart's not in the right spot okay so it says flee to fortified cities go to zion i am bringing disaster from the north i will now pronounce my judgments against them he tells the israelites to wash evil from your heart and be saved but disaster is coming to the entire land so bad news is on the way unless they repent but it doesn't seem like they're repenting <laughs> jeremiah 5 says um god is saying if you find one person who is honest in the city i will not destroy it it's kind of like the sodom and gomorrah thing where there was not like one person who was just in a city except for the people who ended up escaping but you know just a small amount of righteous people would have saved the city but there's none to be found um and then it says that the prophets prophesy lies, which is scary because later Jeremiah has the real prophecy. He says like this, you know, you're going to be subject to Babylon for a long time, a very long time. But there's all these people prophesying that it's going to be okay in two years. And the natural human thing is to, is to believe the good news, which would be like, yeah, we are going to be free in two years. That would be ideal. However, that is not the real prophecy. And that's not what God says. So um so yeah that's a little bit scary about false prophecies which i've talked about before like how do you know if a prophecy is real or not um and i don't know the answer to that one yet so i need to read the rest of the bible and go see um jeremiah 6 says flee for safety people of benjamin disaster comes from the north um a lot of these things kind of repeat in this section but god says to um 
He says, God says to cut down the trees, build siege ramps against Jerusalem. The city must be punished. It is filled with oppression. Let them gleam the glean the remnant of Israel as it were a vine. So when we were reading Esther, you know, the fields would be harvested and there would be a little bit left over on the ground and she would glean the leftovers. That's basically what they're doing. So Israel is going to be essentially destroyed, but there's going to be a remnant of Israel and the metaphor there is to like collect the leftovers and glean the remnant of Israel. Um, and then he talks about how lost the Israelites are because they find no pleasure in the word of the Lord, which is pretty convicting if you're in a spot that's not finding that much pleasure in the word of the Lord, which I go through phases of that. Like sometimes I really do and sometimes I don't. I mostly can trace it back to discipline of reading the word. So if I'm like on a good schedule, it spurs me on to even read more and more and more. But if I am really undisciplined, I don't want to. And you get into like a, a rut basically. Okay, Jeremiah 7 says, Jeremiah gets a word from the Lord. Reform your ways and I will let you live. Go now to the place in Shiloh where I first made my dwelling for my name. See what I did to it because of the wickedness of Israel. Um, again, he says, I called and you did not answer. He lists more about what they've done wrong, which is kind of all the same metaphors, adultery and worshiped other gods and things like that. He said, the day is coming where you will rename this to the Valley of Slaughter, for they will bury the dead and until there is no more room. So this seems harsh, but it legitimately is just how it is just the punishment for the sin of breaking the covenant. And people read this and are skeptical about an all-loving, all-caring, all-powerful God, but he also is perfect and cannot stand evil, and, and Israel was not obeying. Okay, um, in Jeremiah 8, they said, At that time, the bones of the priests and prophets and kings and officials will be dug up from their graves and strewn over the ground. He asked, Why have these people turned away? They have no shame at all in their wicked ways. So it's not like they even do wicked things and then are like shamed about it or want to change. They have no shame. They don't even know how to blush, it says. Um, Jeremiah 9 said, I would weep day and night for the slain people. I will refine and test them for what else can I do because of the sin of my people. So he's using this as a, a test for them and ref, like as a opportunity to refine them. Okay, this is a good quote. Well, I paraphrased, but one of the things it talks about in Jeremiah 9 is how their tongue, the, the people of Israel, their tongue is a deadly arrow. It speaks deceitfully. Now, this is, this is talked about a lot in uh, in scripture, just in general, how powerful your tongue is and how powerful the words that you speak are. And it has been a large focus of mine for a very long time to only speak uplifting things. That's been, I mean, I'm not obviously perfect at it, but instead of speaking negative things into your life or speaking deceitfully to be speaking truthfully and to be building other people up and so that's just a good reminder about how important your words are. Uh, okay, then it says that he wishes that no one would boast except to boast in the fact that people have understanding of the Lord, that he is the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. And he says that the day is coming when I will punish all who are circumcised only in flesh. That's, okay, this is the part where I said rituals don't matter if you don't know him. So... 
It doesn't matter how many rules you follow, what your religion says. If you don't know him, it doesn't matter. Okay, Jeremiah 10 says, Do not learn the way of the nations. Their idols cannot speak. They can't walk. They cannot do any harm or good. Um, Jeremiah says, There is no one like you, Lord. These gods did not make the heavens and the earth. They will perish from the earth. Uh, let's see. Jeremiah then prays and says, Discipline me, Lord, but only in due measure, not in anger, or you will reduce me to nothing. So he is acknowledging how powerful the Lord is that he could destroy him. But he says, please discipline me, but only in due measure. Pour out your wrath on the nations that do not acknowledge you. And I have to think, I was, ha I was thinking about this a lot recently, and I th think I might have mentioned it on podcast before, but okay, we see Israel as a nation straying from God. I also believe we're seeing America as a nation stray from God. There's God being removed from everything, from classrooms, from, <clears throat> you know, from just public life. <clears throat> um, acknowledging God and talking about God is, is way on the down low. And um, so I think we're straying from God. Will God, does God in modern times pour out his wrath like he did in Israel's times? Now, I don't know if like it's sending plagues or whatever, but it seems to me that a nation who strays from God would have the wrath of God on it, similar to like Israel of the olden days, you know, maybe not the same exact way, but it seems like he wouldn't bless countries that are straying from him. So I don't know. That's just, I don't know if I even worded that correctly, but that's just been a thought that I've had where it's like, is America heading to a point where we just have the wrath of God because we are straying? Um, so that's uh, an interesting question. And I don't know the answer, but I have an inkling that it's a yes. Um, so yeah, I want to do some episode. This is a side note, but I want to do some episodes of like half baked ideas, you know? So like, that's one of them where I do a full episode kind of exploring about the wrath of God and would that happen today? What are the differences between modern and ancient times? But I don't have like an answer, you know, I've just been thinking about it. So I think that would be helpful for some people, but I know some people also like a concrete answer, like what, what the opinion is at the end, what I've concluded, but I do want to do some that are like way too big of questions that I just don't have an answer to. <laughs> um, so that might be coming at some point. Up until now, I've tried to do like a very wrapped up with a bow topic, you know. <clears throat> okay, so we're at Jeremiah 11. It talks about how the covenant is broken. The terms that he commanded uh, have not been fulfilled. And then it talks about how the people are plotting to kill Jeremiah because he's prophesying that bad things are going to happen. He's prophesying that nations are going to be getting them from the north. So Jeremiah then prays to God and complains that the wicked are prospering more than the faithful. And God compares it to like doing a running race before you have to like against someone like a foot race before you have to compete against a horse. You're going to wear yourself out in the first race. And so he basically says that the wicked are running their race now. They're going to be tired and they will not prosper for long is the, um, is the lesson of that. Jeremiah 13 says to, uh, God tells Jeremiah to go buy a linen belt and hide it in a crevice in the rocks. And then he finds it a few days later and it's completely ruined. And he said, in the same way, I will ruin the pride of Judah. 
and talks about more about how he will destroy Jerusalem because of their wickedness. Uh, Jeremiah 14, <clears throat> um, well, really Jeremiah 14 through 17. Well, no, it keeps going. Let me see. Jeremiah 14 through 19 is just different ways that God says that he's going to destroy uh, Jerusalem and it, and Judah because of their um, unrepentance and their wickedness. So it, he uses a bunch of different things to say that. There's like um, a potter. He tells him to go to a potter's house and show him how to make clay. And he says, you know, this is what I'm doing to Israel. I'm going to form you. Um, if I warn you and you repent and I will relent and not inflict the disaster. So he keeps trying to tell them like, you can repent, but I'm going to bring disaster if you don't. Um, okay, Jeremiah 20, a priest who's in the same area heard Jeremiah prophesying and had him beaten and put in the stocks at the gate of Benjamin at the Lord's temple. But even in the stocks, Jeremiah keeps prophesying and he complains to God that whenever he speaks out, he's ridiculed and mocked all day long. Um, but then right after that, he's praising the Lord. And I think just thought that was a good example of how he should be. But he's also sad and he curses the day he's born because he still hates the situation like he's prophesying and everyone's beating him up and plotting to kill him. So that kind of sucks. Um, okay, Babylon attacks in Jeremiah 21. And uh, the king Zedekiah asked for Jeremiah to inquire the Lord and make them turn away from the Israelites. God rejects the request because they haven't repented for anything. They're just trying to use him as like a vending machine of like, hey, can you inquire of him to save us now? Um, but God tells them to surrender. God has a long speech about how wicked they were, were again, says how they've strayed. That was in Jeremiah 22. In Jeremiah 23, he says, I will bring back my sheep and bring them back to their pasture. He's going to raise up a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely. And then a long speech about how there are deceiving prophets that are prophesying bad things. Okay, Jeremiah 24, the skilled workers and artisans have been carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar. The Lord showed Jeremiah two baskets of figs. One was full of good figs and one was full of bad figs, like rotten ones. And he said the exiles from Judah are like the good figs and the bad figs are Zedekiah, king of Judah, his officials, his survivors of Jerusalem. So he's going to send the sword and the plague against them. So there's two different groups. One he's going to save, one he won't. Okay, Jeremiah 25, Jeremiah sent word to all the people of Judah and to those in Jerusalem and says, turn now each of you from your evil ways, then I will not harm you. You did not turn from your ways. Um, you will destroy the nations and serve Babylon for 70 years. So since they haven't repented, he's not going to completely destroy them, but he's going to basically exile them again and have them serve under Babylon for 70 years. Now, this is where the prophesying gets crazy because a lot of people are saying, oh, it's going to be fine in two years. Everything will be brought back to um, Jerusalem and it'll be out from Babylon. So that's like 26 and 27. Um, and then 28, a guy named Hananiah starts prophesying badly that the articles will be brought back. Jeremiah had a yoke on his back and Jeremiah said, yes, let it be like kind of fake going along with it. The prophet who prophesies peace is the great prophet if it comes true. That's what Jeremiah says to like play along. 
And then Hananiah, as a show, it seemed like, broke the yoke on Jeremiah's back and Jeremiah just went on his way. But then God told, so so he's free at this point. God then told Jeremiah to go back to Hananiah and say, he will replace a wooden yoke with an iron yoke. <clears throat> you are going to die. You have preached rebellion against the Lord. So he's on his way, but God says, hey, go back and let him know that he's going to die and that his prophecies are bad. So then Jeremiah 29, Jeremiah sends a letter to the exiles. He said, build houses, settle down, have children, seek peace and prosperity of the city I have brought you to. Do not listen to the prophets. I will bring you back after 70 years. This is the verse where it says, "For I know the plans I have for you. It says the Lord plans to prosper you. You know, I didn't write down the whole thing, but plans to give you a hope and a future. If that, if that sounds familiar at all, this is from, this is this chapter. So Jeremiah 29, he's talking to the people that are going to be in Babylon for 70 years and it's going to look bleak, but he's going to bring them back after 70 years. So he said, I know the plans I have for you. I'll bring you back. I have, you know, you'll have a hope and a future. So things are starting to turn, um, more optimistic. Jeremiah then prophecies right to Zephaniah, who is a false prophet, about the punishment that God is sending to him. The one thing about these prophets, they're very bold. They have to go, like, talk to someone and say, like, God is going to kill you. So I don't know if I'm that bold, but these prophets were. Jeremiah 30 says God told Jeremiah to write all of this down, talk about the restoration of Israel. He said, I will surely save you out of a distant place. All who devour you will be devoured and he will restore everything. Uh, He will give rest to Israel. Israel will be rebuilt. Return, Israel. How long will you wander, you unfaithful daughter? And a day is coming for the new covenant. Those are all the things he talks about in Jeremiah 31. So, Jeremiah, so far, is a great book. You see all of the threat of the the destruction, but even through that, he has a plan and a hope for the remnant of Israel. And he really reiterates that if at any point they repented, it would not be destroyed. So anyway, Jeremiah is a great book. Next week, we will be going over the rest of Jeremiah. So, um, and by next week, I mean in two days when I release that episode. So again, thank you for your patience with all the Bible podcasts. I will have to pre-record and I will get more on top of that. So I'm, I'm trying to work on being more consistent with the actual day I post. So I will see you on Thursday for our Bible podcast and probably tomorrow for our normal topic podcast, which should have been on Monday. So anyway oh one other thing it's hilarious the progression of this podcast because um just like the entire series of the podcast i told one of my friends about it and he went to go listen and i went to go listen to the first episode because he said he was gonna go listen to the first episode and i went back and listened to my voice during the first episode and i first of all edited like every breath out of it now I'm like coughing into the mic so sorry about that but it's so much easier to just not edit and I like it better and it just seems more real but my voice during the first one was like yeah so I believe in being pro-life like I was so timid with like talking and I'm like yo like thanks for watching everyone you know so anyway I become a lot more comfortable with actually podcasting which is I just thought was kind of funny so if you listen to the any of the first episodes again you will notice a drastic change in my voice so but I think we've we've gotten into the rhythm here so anyway that was just a little side note but thank you all for listening so much and I will see you tomorrow and Thursday for more episodes see everyone bye (laughs) 
into this week's episode.